Hi, this is Frank Muller, and this is Is It Right or Is It Easy? You can visit us at www.right-or-easy, righteoreasy.com. You can also uh, access us on iTunes and Spotify. Today's conversation is about regulators and technology. In particular, uh, regulations with regards to financial advice and the fiduciary standard. Uh, the Department of Labor has issued rules governing the standards of financial advice to holders of ERISA accounts. Think IRAs and uh, 401ks as examples. Uh, there are approximately 1,300 pages of these rules and guidelines to digest, and I by no means am suggesting that you consume those. Uh, but the quick takeaway is that the standards and liabilities associated with providing, and I want to add in brackets to that, receiving financial advice to qualified accounts has increased markedly. Clearly, uh, this is well-intentioned. There is not, I hope, any suggestion in this musing that the intentions of our regulators or our legislators uh, are meant to be impugned. In fact, it's actually praiseworthy that they are rightfully uh, looking at the uh, challenges that have occurred um, with regards to financial advice for investors um, and therefore acting in response to those perceived uh, or real issues. I do think that as investors and as uh, people who are engaged in the advice business. Obviously, this applies particularly to wealth managers who are in that business. But I also think that I'm using this as a metaphor for doctors, for accountants, for insurance agents, architects, engineers, anyone who is in the business of providing advice and counsel and recommendations to people as to what should be done. And obviously, when they do the work that they are held accountable, that that work is done at a reasonable professional standard. One of the implications in this current set of regulations seems to be the idea of simply cost. Implicit in that notion, I assume, is that there is an assumption that cheaper must be better. Uh, that's the message these rules appear to suggest in their implications about financial advice. I'll go into more details about what that looks like. Add to this regulatory concoction the ingredients of the resultant commoditized advice and cheap passive investing, which I am not casting a dispersion towards, um, but we'll paint in more detail why I think there may be challenges. 
has made possible is made possible by technology and financial engineering. So the result is mounting cost pressures on the advisors of this advice and a commensurate reduction of options for investors due to this type of regulation. Go, for example, go online and try out any of the online inexpensive tools that one can engage in and, and just go through the process of answering the questions um, about your risk tolerance, your age, your income and level of net worth. And within three, probably no more than 10 questions usually, a computer's going to spit out to you the options. And usually that's going to be a conservative, moderate or balanced uh, or aggressive. Um, and you're done, right? Life's just good. You've solved all your wealth management issues. Um, that's interesting. And is that true? May I just point out that the contradictory notion that compliant advice under these guidelines, especially as proffered by so many low-cost providers, practically ensures that the extent of actually knowing the investor is limited to this handful of online questions about age, income, and risk tolerance. Is that what the new standards were really designed to facilitate? Those shortcuts to expediency? If so, um, I don't know if we need to worry about them as much. Uh, I do think that what we may want to worry about is that the standards, I believe, were actually meant to be much higher than that. And I would agree with that, but that's not the actual result. Since regulatory pressures and technological advancements are not likely to let up anytime soon, wealth management firms or doctors or engineers or architects or lawyers, you see their advice being commoditized, reduced to the lowest possible common denominator and then placed out on the web and people call it good. Um, this leaves open the question of how to provide quality advice to clients at a fair price. And purveyors or partakers of that advice are left with the question as to whether those online questionnaires and the advice they receive from them is actually good for them. And even if they receive that wealth management advice, is it the advice that is as robust and as comprehensive as it needs to be? And then the further question, and what is the price our price economically, both directly and from an opportunity cost perspective of following that lowest common denominator, cheapest 
advice. Investing is one thing, but planning a well-ordered and complete financial life is a far different and decidedly more important thing. Interestingly, somehow, we have moved the last step in a financial plan, which is the implementation of an investment strategy, to the first step and eliminated all the other foundational building blocks of a well-ordered financial life. It's upside down. And what are going to be the consequences to investors 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now? The answer may lie in the same process that almost every product or service out there is valued and priced. For example, if I buy a new car, do I want a sunroof? Do I want all-wheel drive? Do I want seatbelts, you know, or hundreds of other options? Some of those options may increase the level of safety, like the anti-lock brakes or the seatbelts, while others are simply elective and relate to driver comfort. See, as an automobile is an example, the government sets now the minimum standards for vehicles, but consumers are free to choose the level of comfort, performance, or safety they desire. And they pay more or less depending upon the value they ascribe to those various options. But what is not changed, at least with regards to modern automobile regulations today, is that it is not reducing the minimum standards of the vehicle to such an extent, it's like taking it back to the Model T when cars first began to be produced and sold. See, when we're presented with just a short questionnaire of three questions, for example, and we are given then just three different options for our investments, conservative, moderate, or aggressive, does it not strike one is somewhat ironic that aren't we being offered three different versions of the Model T? You can have it in black, white, or gray. <laughs> you know, it's, did we really advance ourselves or did we somehow manage to regress? Just as providers of advice certainly incur more cost and liabilities associated with rigorous uh, uh, compliance with these regulations, investors should understand that their cost of choosing price alone as the benchmark for the selection of a fiduciary who's going to provide advice, whether it's wealth management, investment, or legal, or accounting, or medical, then that black Model T of the cheapest may have profound long-term cost 
that can only be calculated at the end of one's life when one cannot go back and make the changes that would have prevented the negative opportunity cost. Hmm. See, the unintentional consequences of focusing on wealth management, acronymed now simply investment management, and quality defined as cheapest is now taking us back to a day of no seatbelts, no anti-lock brakes, no air conditioning, no heater, no windshield wipers, and on and on and on. In many ways, our well-intentioned regulators and legislators, they prescribe rules that usually over the long run can sometimes do more damage than the actual harm they were trying to correct. It is true in my mind that the purveyors of advice, medical, legal, architectural, electrical, financial, et al., should be held accountable for failure to meet standards of professional conduct. Absolutely. Further, it is my view that purveyors of advice should not be allowed to sign away most of their liability in small print TNCs, terms and conditions or terms and disclosures that are difficult even for trained lawyers to parse and opine on. We must try to always align both the incentives and the consequences to the actions of fiduciaries, but we must also educate ourselves, starting in our educational systems from kindergarten level through college about how to order a financial and wealth management life. Isn't it amazing? It's always been shocking to me that we educate our high school students in algebra and calculus and history and, and writing and rhetoric and English, but we don't provide a single core curriculum semester after semester, year after year in budgeting, insurance, banking, investing, planning, and the myriad of things that come into a well-ordered financial life. These terms are Greek to our college graduates coming into the workplace, not even knowing these basic concepts. It would seem to me that every year we should require courses in life management skills that include all these topics, more so to help our children actually know the truth of how to order their lives financially and not reduce it to an app in three questions that spits out a cheap solution that they believe without reason that it takes care of their financial future. Shame on us is if we as purveyors of advice of any form, shame on us if we as regulators or legislators in any topic 
shame on us as parents or friends or colleagues if we do not educate ourselves on what needs to be known about ordering a life. All of the intentions of those three groups are honorable and good, but intentions alone, not backed by a sense of what is the end good, not the tactical good of what feels right or easy, but is actually conducive to the long-term good that we have reasons to know what that looks like and how we get there. Investing in the cheapest and simplest way may seem attractive at first, but when we know that long-term wealth outcomes come primarily from comprehensive planning, including wills, trust, taxes, risk management, insurance requirements such as life, health, disability, long-term, long-term care, qualified accounts, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and on and on and on. Reducing planning to just nominal investments, focusing only on price as the fiduciary standard of care, strikes me as regulation fraught with long-term unintended consequences. We are also creating an industry that now advertises cheaper is better, and all you need is a phone and three questions, and you are good. Mm. In the end, it is simply a fallacy in my mind to assume that cheap and easy will always equate to quality in anything. One thing I have learned is that there is no such thing as a free lunch and nothing done well is done easily and cheaply. May peace be with us all.